Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So it was released in 1972, considered one of the greatest films of all time. The Godfather portrayed the Corleone family, a crime family, an Italian-American crime family. And the film chronicled them as they came to power and then they began to lose their power. And uh, interestingly enough, this week, Sonny Corleone passed away at the age of 80, James Cagney. And so still uh, at the forefront of our mind. A lot of good quotes out of that movie. Um, One of the ones I remember is this one. Revenge is a dish served, best served cold. Y'all remember that? Okay, some of y'all don't know. All right. So uh, one of the other quotes that we're kind of focusing on during this series is this one. Uh, It says, Italians have a little joke that the world is so hard, a man must have two fathers to look after him, and that's why they have godfathers. And so I said this last week. Let me say it again. I'm thankful for our heavenly father, but I'm also thankful for our godfathers. You say, well, I don't have any godfathers. Yes, you do. Over a dozen times throughout scripture, we're told that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, right? From generation to generation. You need to go back and read that, those promises where it talks to us that he moves from generation to generation. So these three men are our godfathers and the promises and the covenant and the way that God interacts with them teaches us lessons and that's what we've begun to look at. And I remind you that it's declared in Galatians chapter three, verse six and seven, that just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, So then understand that those who believe are the sons of Abraham. So there's a lineage here taking place in us that when we believe in Christ, we are grafted into the family of Abraham and so we get to know them. And so we sing songs like we sang this morning that we call on the God of Jacob. We sing songs like this. He's our way maker, our promise keeper. Does that sound familiar? We talked last week about the first lesson from our Godfather Abraham is that God is not not only a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. And so we want to continue to look at that. So join me. I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning. I couldn't just exit Abraham's life because there's too much going on there. So we're doing Abraham part two. You'll get Isaac next week, but Abraham part two. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter four or Genesis chapter 12. I read this to you last week. It's the beginning of the covenant. God had told Abram, Leave your country behind, you and your own people, and go to the land I will guide you to. If you do, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous, and you will be a blessing to many others. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those. Anybody want, anybody wish you were so blessed that, 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 that you were so blessed that everybody around you that was close to you, you was blessed, and everybody that cursed you was also, oh, come on now, that's part of the covenant. He's our, okay, y'all ain't helping me now. Uh, I, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and the entire world will be blessed because of you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him and Lot went to, Abram was 75 years old at the time. Genesis chapter 21, verse five. This is the rest of the story. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Abraham was the man at 100 years old. All right. Okay. Some of y'all don't know. All right. So now join me in Genesis chapter 22. This is without a doubt, probably the best known moment in Abraham's life. Genesis chapter 22, 
It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. And early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, uh, th this part gets me, it's just funny. It's not funny, but it's funny. Father, yes, my son, Abraham, repl Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they had reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. Hang on a second. Here's the problem. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your own son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. <laughs> so God calls Abraham to leave his home country, take a few members of his family with him, Lot and, his, and, and Lot's wife, and, and, and they, uh, they are to travel to a place that God will show them. Some of us want all the details first. God doesn't know. Have you figured out? This is free. God, have you figured out God doesn't always show you Z? <laughs> We're good to get A sometimes. But if we would learn to just walk and start. Okay, another message. So Abraham obeys. And then God speaks to Abraham when he's 75 years old. He says, I'm going to give you a son. And then 25 years later, God fulfills his word. And Isaac is born. And then we read what I think is the best known scene from Abraham's life. God tests Abraham, his faith, and he asks him to sacrifice his promised son. Can you imagine the journey from the day that Abraham receives the instructions to take Isaac, his only son, to sacrifice him and go three days? Can you imagine what that three-day journey must have been like. Three days with the knowledge in the back of your mind that this is our last vacation. This ain't a vacation. This is our last road trip together. Three days with the understanding in the back of my mind that I'm about to be required to give up this child, this son that I have waited for, that I prayed for, that I fasted for, that I believed for, that I hung on for. And now God is going to ask me to give that back to him. And I got, I got three days of walking through the wilderness to think about. Three days with the knowledge that when I make the return trip, I'm going to have to explain myself to my wife. 
Some of y'all don't know. <laughs> that may have been that for the moment. That might have even seen worse than dealing with God at the moment. I, I, I'm going to have to go home. And when Sarah looks at me after waiting all those years and God finally coming through, and I get back home, and when she kisses me when I come through the door, welcome back and looks at me and says, where's Isaac? And I'm going to have to say, he's dead. And she's going to ask, what? Are you talking about? And he's going to have to say, God told me. Yeah, right. There's trouble going to be, there's going to be trouble in paradise. So this leads up to Abraham walking. He, he loads all this wood. He puts it on Isaac's back. They begin the journey up the mountain. Isaac begins to ask questions. You would have asked the same questions. I, I, I would have asked them earlier. Um, <laughs> And so now Abraham ties Isaac up and in the conversation, he makes what we now know is a prophetic statement, God will provide. So he, he ties Isaac up, he lays him on the altar, he grabs his knife, the knife is literally in the downward arc to take his son's own life and an angel steps in and Abraham looks up as he's, after he's passed this uh, test of faith and a ram is there caught in the thicket and in that moment God gets a new name, uh, a name that has endured generation to generation. A new revelation, if you will, comes into Abraham's life that's been passed down to us that God is Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide, the God that does provide. So when you review the life of our Godfather Abraham, we must come to this conclusion that God is our provider. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, my Godfather has taught me that God is my provider. We need to know today that when we declare that we follow the God of Abraham, we're not just saying stuff. We are making a declaration that the same God, the same God, the same, you are a provider then, you'll be a provider now. You are my provider. That's why David declared in Psalm chapter 37, verse 25, I was young and now I am old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. That's why Paul could declare in Philippians to the, to the church in Philippi, he could say in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 that my God will supply all your needs. What does all mean? It means all. He will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's why I can declare in from Matthew the, that, 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 that if I'm certain Serving the God of Abraham, then I've got to take Jesus at his word. Go look it up. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 26, it's in red. It's not in black. It's in red. Go read what Jesus, the son of the living God, the son of the living God declared about his own father. He says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns. And yet, and yet, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? So Jesus even knew that the God of Abraham is our provider. 
He's our provider. So, so I just need to remind somebody this morning that's going through a situation in your own life where it feels like you're going up the side of the mountain and you don't have any answers. I just came to remind you the lesson that Abraham taught us on that day and that has been passed down to generation to generation that we serve Jehovah Jireh. My provider. So let me talk to you about some things about this providing God. The first thing I want you to recognize is this, is that supply was a result of sacrifice. See, see, uh, uh, we often forget that the reason that Abraham saw provision in his life is that he lived a life of sacrificial obedience. Stay with me. God calls Abraham to leave his homeland to go to a place that he didn't know anything about. Sacrifice. He calls Abraham to walk away from his entire family and go to a land he'd never been to. Sacrifice. He calls Abraham to walk away from all the traditions that he was so familiar with. That sacrifice. He calls Abraham to leave his religious structure that he'd been born into. That's sacrifice. He calls him to leave. Y'all ain't helping me. Would leave his culture, leave his comfort zone, leave everything that he was familiar with and follow him that sacrifice and then and then he then 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 he's asked to sacrifice his own promised son and I I still have yet as I've read through scripture all my life I still cannot find a place in the text I've looked over and over again as I've as I've rehearsed my relationship with my own sons. I still I've I've looked. It's got to be there. Maybe I'm I'm mis- I'm overlooking it. Maybe I just haven't found it. But because I know how I would react, and yet when I read the account, no argument. Abraham makes no argument. Y'all 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 y'all, y'all missing it. Those of you that have children in the room ought to understand what I'm saying. He gets instructions to kill his promised only son. No argument. That is a life of sacrificial obedience. When when God says, do this, the answer is, yes, sir. That's how Abraham operated and lived. Provision is always working its way up the backside of the mountain called obedience. So, so, so the reason that some of us never meet the God of provision is because he never meets us as the servant that is willing to sacrifice. I'm going to say that one more time. The reason that some of us in this room right now, some of us watching over the internet, never encounter God as a God of provision is simply because he's never met us as a servant that is willing to sacrifice. So, 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 so we, we want miracles, but we won't sacrifice. We, we don't live in such a way, serve in such a way, give in such a way that a miracle is even required. Okay, it got real quiet. So, so the reason that the ram was where it was when Abraham needed it was because Abraham had learned to live obediently and sacrificially before God in every situation in his life. So I just came to tell somebody in the room this morning that you, you don't earn provision. Come on now, I'm trying to help you. Some of y'all come to church because you think coming to church is going to earn you provision. Some of you pray the way you pray because you think it's going to earn you provision. Some of you want to cuss the guy out at the light, but you don't because you think you're gonna, your goodness is going to earn you provision. You don't earn provision, but you do position yourself for provision. 
and your, your positioning, the way you position yourself for provision is by being sacrificially obedient to God. Ooh, okay. Okay, so if y'all didn't like that one, you're not going to like this one. So, 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 so if we're not careful, this is what I've discovered is I thought back about this passage because I've read this passage all my life. I mean, we've, we've read this, we've talked about this passage so often. I'm talking like felt boards. I'm talking like flannel graphs. I'm talking like overhead projectors. You know, the, the, the ones you write on. Yeah, not all this stuff. I'm talking way back in the day. I'm talking pop-ups and puppets. I'm talking, I'm, ta- I'm talking back in the day we learned this, about this account. And so if we're not careful, then what happens is this. I know what's happened for me. We begin to focus all of our attention on the provision made on the mountain in the time of Abraham's need. So we conclude, and rightfully so, because I started the message saying this, that God is a providing God. He He is a miracle-working God. There's no doubt in my mind that God is a miracle-working God. Okay, so we're all together. A miracle, then, is an interjection of God's power into a situation beyond our control. Anybody experience that? If you've ever experienced a neighbor right now, a miracle on me, wave at me right now, right now, right now, right now. Look around. Look at all the miracles, people. Okay, so, so, so you know. Okay, okay. so he, I, I, just came, I just came to remind you, he does those things. Yeah, but I also need to, okay, here we go. I think I might go behind the screen because y'all are not going to like this one. The second thing I need to tell you is this this morning is that I need you to be reminded and realize that God is a provider through principles first. (laughs) Okay, Genesis chapter 17, beginning in verse eight. Listen to what it says. And I will give you, this is God talking to Abraham. I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever. And I will be their God. Listen, then God said to Abraham, Your responsibility, your your responsibility, your, not my, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. You got a Godfather this morning. His name is Abraham. A covenant was made with him. That covenant came attached with it, came responsibilities. And the scripture says that now, as descendants of Abraham, I'm Father Abraham. Had many sons. Okay, yeah, we're one of them, but we want to sing the song and do the motions. We just don't want to live up to the responsibilities of the covenant. So, so you read that all Abraham's promise also comes with responsibility. Literally, what God is saying is this I will. If you will. Okay. So Abraham positioned himself for a miracle by taking care of the principles that were established by God first. So, so I bring this to your attention. Oh, it's going to get. Ooh. I bring this to your attention because I think that some of us are trying to live on miracles every day while we're ignoring and discarding the principles that would lead us into daily provision. So I want to make a statement. You're not going to like this statement. Okay. And then I'm going to prove it because when I say it, you're going to say you're wrong. You can, in fact, you can say it out loud when I say it, and then I'm going to make you see that I'm right, and so then you may not want to say it out loud. Okay. I want to make a statement that I think is painful but accurate. 
we aren't supposed to live on God's miracles. <laughs> we are supposed to live by principles that he has established that produce daily provision. And then when we have done all that we can do to stand and see God move, then we stand still and we see him move in the miraculous. Okay, so, so, so let me just ask you a question. Ooh, do you really need another miracle today? I mean, you just had one yesterday. And now you need another one? I, 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 I mean, like, I mean like, like yesterday you were saying, if I don't have this financial breakthrough, then my life is over and they're going to come take all my stuff. And God intervenes. And now two days later, two weeks later, you want to roll up and say, I need a miracle. You stand up here and say, I need God to intervene in my life and heal me. And he heals you. And then two months later, you need another healing miracle. I need you to help this relationship. This relationship is in shambles because of the way I treated somebody. And I need you to work a miracle, bring our hearts back together. God works a miracle. And two months later, you need another miracle? Okay, all right. So what, what that means then is living like that is a revelation that you are mismanaging areas of your life. Okay, so miracles are when God breaks in, when the principles we are obeying don't produce the necessary results. So let me just help you. There are moments in God's mercy, aren't you thankful for his mercy? There are moments in God's mercy when he, he, he recognizes that we're not living according to the principles and the responsibilities that we're supposed to be living by, and he interjects, and he produces a miracle. I'm thankful that there have been moments in my life where even when I wasn't living by the principles that I should have been living by, God saw fit in his mercy to produce a miracle, Right? I don't discount that, but, 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 but let, let's get it. Let, let, let me help you. Okay. So you got to prove this stuff, Steve. Okay, here we go. I started thinking about in the new Testament when Peter was with Jesus in the garden and the soldiers came up to arrest him and Peter got all up in his fields, you know, you know, and, and he pulled that sword out and he chopped the ear off. Right. Remember everybody with me and Jesus. Okay. First of all, Peter is not operating on the principle that Jesus had taught, which is to turn the other cheek. And in his mercy, Jesus reaches down and he takes that severed ear and he reattaches it, right? So the next day, when Peter didn't like the outcome of the trial and they crucified Jesus, Peter went and got a bazooka and he blew 400 people away. And Jesus sees the devastation and intervenes, right? That's what scripture, no, 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 wait. I started thinking about this. I never have to read again that Peter severed somebody's ear, that he needed a miracle to fix. Okay, I think it's because after watching Jesus go through what he went through, Peter learned the principle that he was supposed to be living his life on. So he didn't need, oh, okay, so, 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 so could it be that you wouldn't need as many mind-blowing 
jaw-dropping, if he doesn't come through, my world is lost miracles if we would live up to the principles and take care of the responsibilities that he gave us first. Okay, I got some amens, all right. So we're on the right track. So, so, so until now, like, like treating our body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've been eating like 42 dozen donuts a week. And the doctor looks at me and says, if you, you got to have a miracle, I can't do nothing else for you. And I start praying and y'all get up on the wall for me. And God rises up in this house and he produces a healing in my life. If I don't learn the principle that God operates the miraculous through first, then I'll go right back to Dunkin' Donuts. And I will buy them, I will bankrupt them week after week after week. And all of a sudden, six months later, I might end up right back in the same hospital. And the doctor looks at me and says, what happened to you? The last, what happened to me was I was trying to live on God's miracles rather than living on the principles that he established first. Uh, I, like, like giving to him what belongs to him before I spend it all. I knew I wouldn't get no help. I knew I wouldn't. Some of us, we want to spend it all. Then we want to run in here and God produce a miracle. And he does in his mercy. But then we go right back out and we use the same credit card that he paid off. And we, ne we never tithe, we never make an offering, we never give. And all of a sudden, six months later, the same creditors that had forgotten your name find your number on their list again and they start beating your doors down. You go, I need a miracle. You had a miracle. When are you going to live on the principles that he established to provide the daily provision that you, I'm preaching right now. So, so, so like forgiving, some of us need to recognize that there's principles about forgiving, like, like preferring others over ourselves, like holding on to things too tightly. I know that God is a miracle working God. I have declared that to you. He is the God of Abraham. He was a provider back then. He's a provider back right now. I recognize that, but I I've also come to discover something. If I live on the principles that he established first, my need, oh, okay, we don't talk about this in church. My need for those kind of miracles diminish in my life. I can't get no help because some of you have grown so accustomed to living on miracle to miracle to miracle. If he doesn't come through, I'm going to lose. I, why don't you take care of the responsibilities that he's placed upon us? For, because the principles produce provision. Why do you think he gave us those principles in the first place? They provide provision. And so we must love and live by the principles of the provider. It is by doing this that we reveal that we love the provider more than we love the provision. If you're not willing to obey and take care of the responsibilities that he's placed upon us first, it is a revelation that you are more concerned about the provision than you are the provider. Because if you love me, you will, you will keep my commandments. Commandments, principles. And when we don't learn to live like that, can I just tell, I'm just going to be, I'll get out of your way. I'm just, because some of y'all don't like me very much right now. Because you've been praying for a miracle. You hadn't done nothing to get provision before now, but you're praying for, okay. If we don't learn to live this way, can I tell you what happens? We turn God 
into Santa Claus. God literally becomes Santa Claus that we only need when we need. Can't get no help. He becomes Santa Claus. I need you to show up right now because I need you. I don't want nothing to do with you the rest of the time. I don't want, I don't want to live by your regulations. I don't want to live by your principles the rest of the time. But I need you right now. Welcome to Santa Claus religion. And so what I'm trying to get you to understand is that, listen, that that is not a fulfilling relationship. We must desire his face more than we desire his hands. And when we learn to live in his presence, we will learn to live in his principles. And when we learn to live by his principles, then we will live in his provision. And there may be moments where you're operating in the principles and it's like you've done all you know to do and you still come up short. Get ready for a miracle. That's when a miracle takes place. It may be that in his mercy he produces a miracle at some other point but I want us to become people here at passion that live by the principles of God that provide provision so that now we can really focus our attention when God when we need a miracle it's because we've done all we are supposed to do you say well you don't know what you're talking about yeah I do yeah I do because yeah, because y'all forget some of y'all forgotten that in 2000 15, your pastor needed a miracle. <laughs> when I was laying in the hospital, about to die from a heart attack, I needed a miracle. Can I just tell you what the doctor told me? I probably told you before. He said, he said there's three reasons you need to, you, you, you got to have this procedure right now. One is heredity. So I, I slapped my dad. He was standing there. I just said, pow. He said, the second one is stress. And the third one is the way you eat. So in his mercy, in March of 2015, in his mercy, God spared my life. But from 2015 to 2022, I can't, I can't do nothing about my relationship with him. He my dad. He my, she's my mom. I, I, can't, I can't change my heredity, and I wouldn't if I could anyway. But I have a responsibility to handle and deal with the stress and the way I eat. You say, well, Steve, you still don't eat vegetables. I already took my vegetables this morning. Thank you very much. But I have a responsibility. Like, y'all know, y'all know y'all gonna hear talked about here in a minute. My, fa my favorite, one of my favorite places to eat is right down the street. I could walk into Papa Angelo's, didn't even have to place my order. They had to order, they had to order, Steve special. That's what they Steve special. That that literally I used to say, this is no joke. It was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. I would literally walk in and say, I want so much cheese on my pizza that it will clog my arteries. Be careful what you ask for. So since 2015 till now, I can't go to Papa Angelo's six times a week. I can't even go six times a month. You say, well, what are you trying to tell us? I'm trying to tell you that I am thankful. I am convinced. I am convinced that he was a provider then. He's a provider now. He's Jehovah Jireh then. He's Jehovah Jireh now. He was my healer back then. He's my healer now. However, however, 
However, there are principles that I am responsible to live by. And I am calling you as people at Passion to quit living on God's miracles because you're not willing to handle the principles. Get your giving right. Get your serving right. Get your eating right. Get your forgiving right. Get your living right. And see if God doesn't provide. the God of Abraham on the backside of my obedience a sacrifice is coming a miracle is coming I want to pray for you this morning I believe that under the sound of my voice there are some people in this room some watching online but many in this room that are in dire need desperate need of miracles you say well Steve I ain't even going to respond to that not after you preach that, that we, we got to live by principles for the truth is, is that some of you need miracles this morning because you haven't done what you should do. But I came to tell you, He's a merciful God. He is a good God. He is a faithful God. And He will still step in. And when He sees His people in need, the one I've taught you before, years and years ago, I taught you the one prayer that God always responds to. Always. It never fails. Do you remember? It's a one-word prayer. Help. Well, I got myself into this situation on my own. Doesn't change the fact that I need help. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to pray this morning that if you need a miracle this morning, that God will come through. And then when you leave this place, you will begin to operate by the principles necessary so that you won't ever need that particular miracle again. You won't have to say, hey, I need your help fixing this ear again and again. Can you heal it again, Jesus? I cut it off again, sorry. I hurt him again. Can you fix it? No. I, I badmouthed them again. I talked like I shouldn't have talked again. I devastated them again. I spent more than I brought in again. I, I, I ate what I shouldn't eat again. We get our miracle and then we begin to change how we live so that we don't need that miracle again. So Father, I pray, help us. If you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, I, I, I just sense that maybe we ought to do it like this. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I, I, am, in, I am in need of a miracle. I didn't ask you why you need a miracle. I didn't ask you about any of the decisions that led up to this miracle need. I didn't ask you any of that. I just simply said, if you're here and you need a miracle, no one looking around, could you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need a miracle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Father, see our hands. You always respond when you hear your people cry out for help. See our hands. We need a miracle. I call on the God of Abraham. I call on the same God that he called on. I call on the same God that allowed a ram to be caught in the thicket that spared his son. I call on you, God. I call on the God that is now known and will forever be known as Jehovah Jireh. I call on our provider. You are a provider then. See our hands this morning. Be a provider now. We desperately need, we desperately need a touch from you.
God, I pray for financial miracles. I pray for relationship miracles. I pray for physical miracles. I pray for mental health miracles. I pray for miracles that can only be brought about by your hand at work. God, I need you. I put my trust, my hope, my faith in you. You've always come through. You've always responded in mercy. And I trust you. Come on, if you raise your hand just under, the, under your breath, can you just say that? I trust you. 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 Your track record has convinced me to trust you, that you're merciful, that you're good, that you desire to bring provision. And now, Father, I pray over the rest of us, all of us, I pray over everyone under the sound of my voice that you would allow us to mature in our faith, mature in our walk, mature in our level of obedience so that we begin to live by the principles that produce provision. The principles, the regulations, the commandments, the, the, the instructions, the responsibilities that you've given us are not to steal our joy or to take us, keep us from having fun. They are set up and established in our life to bring about provision for us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would allow us to mature to the degree that now, once we've been given a miracle, we manage our life properly so we don't need the same miracles again. God, I pray for people in this room that have asked for a financial miracle. I pray that once you work that financial miracle in their life, they will adjust their spending habits, their buying habits, their saving habits, their living habits, so they won't need that miracle again. God, I pray for the person that raised their hand and say, I need a physical miracle. I pray that once you give that, any changes that we can make in how we live and how we eat and how we spend our time that could cause us to to, to go back, I pray you would help us to have the fortitude, the determination to change. God, for those of us that ask for relationship miracles, once you provide that miracle, I pray that we would change our attitude and our tone, our actions, our responses, our attentiveness, and we would live in such a manner that daily you are providing healing in that relationship. I ask you to accomplish these things for your glory, for your namesake, because you're worthy. I thank you that you're a provider today. I'm thankful that my Godfather taught me that you are a provider. And we stand on that promise today. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you touch your neighbor and just tell them, hey, my father is a provider. Come on, tell them. My, my father. My father. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 